God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything, yes. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. I'm praying God, come and turn this thing around. Oh, yes. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Because all of my Right now, right now, he is moving mountains. Maybe. 
Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to see everyone in the house of God tonight. Amen. Our online congregation, we welcome you. Amen. God, turn it around. That a beautiful song. Amen. We're so glad to be in the house of God one more time. Amen. To praise and to worship the Lord tonight in our Bible study. Amen. By the way, I have two announcements that I have. Just a reminder, rather. Um, this Saturday um, is a prayer breakfast at 8 a.m. for that. And then at 11 a.m. we have the men's district uh, meeting up in Irvington. So for those of us men that are able to make it, Newark, Irvington, Newark, Irvington. <laughs> um, thanks. Um, um, for those that are able to, uh, you know, bring out a, invite a man or a brother or somebody, invite them out to uh, come out. Um, And for those that are able to make the district ladies breakfast next Saturday, the 12th, we need everyone that is able to make sure you register ASAP as soon as possible. So if you can, because I think um, they're floating the idea that if they don't have enough registration, they may have to cancel it. So, or you know, so please, ladies, if you're able to, please make sure you register for that function. Anything else? Amen. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we get right into a Bible study. Amen. As we pray and ask the Lord to open our minds tonight, touch our hearts and our understanding, and use the man of God as we come forth to speak the word of God tonight. God will just manifest in him just tonight. Let's just bow ahead. Father God, we thank you for giving us another privilege and opportunity to be in your presence, Lord God. It's so good to trust in you, Jesus, just to take you at your word. Just to know, thus said the Lord. Oh God, you are the greatest thing that could ever happen to us, oh God. There is none like you, there is none to compare. You are the one that is and that is to come. We come in your presence tonight, Lord God. We ask you to forgive us for every sins. We ask you, Lord God, that you, oh God, burn out every sins that we have committed in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly. I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you will wash us and help us to be whiter than snow. Creating us, oh God, a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within us. Cast not away thy present from us. And take not thy only spirit from us. We truly love you. We adore you. We magnify your name. We glorify your name. We ask you Lord God. That you will open our minds and our hearts tonight Lord God. And as the man of God come tonight Lord God. To teach and to speak your word. You will use him oh God. Like never before Lord God. We pray you blessing upon him tonight. That you will strengthen him oh God. We pray, Lord God, for a pastor who is not here tonight, that you will continue to strengthen him. Keep him, O oh God. Touch his family tonight, Lord God. We pray for those, O oh God, that are not among us tonight, Lord God, that you will touch them, strengthen them, Lord God. Those that are sick, O oh God, in their body, we ask you to heal them, Lord God, completely, and that they will be whole. Touch our online congregation tonight, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will help us to be ready. Help us to be closer drawn to you, Lord God. For if there is ever a time we need you, we surely need you now, Lord God. We thank you in advance for the things that you're about to do for us, O oh God. We thank you for opening up doors for us and for making ways for us when there seems to be no way. Lord God, we love you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, Lord God. We ask your will to be done in this service tonight, Lord God. Speak to us individually and collectively, Lord God. Let everything done tonight, Lord God, descend in order, Lord God. We come 
commit ourselves to you, Lord God. We commit this service in your hand as we say thanks, O oh God, for your many blessings. As we look to you right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And can we just give the Lord a round of applause, everybody? Oh, hallelujah. Let's just thank him for all that he has done for us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Without any further delay or ado, I'm going to invite Minister Henry. Amen. He's going to come and he's going to speak to us, teach to us, preach to us, whatever the Lord has in store for you, my friend. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Good night, everyone. I greet you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, our soon coming King. Amen. Amen. I want to greet our online members as well as our members here. I want to greet you. Thank you for coming out. It's cold on the outside, but the word of God lights up the place on the inside. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege for me to be here standing before you. Looks a little different standing before you from sitting in the congregation, but nevertheless, I, I want to thank Pastor Wyatt for the opportunity, the privilege that he has given me to trust, and I don't want, I'm not taking it lightly, and uh, I'm here to, not to preach, but to share a word of God with you. Amen. Amen. I'd like us to remember the people of Ukraine in our prayer because they're going through a lot. So remember them in our prayer tonight and whenever we pray. Amen. I'll just go straight into the word of God tonight. I don't think it will be that hard. <laughs> Tonight, um, the topic is leave it to God. And uh, I'll just get into the word. There are lots of scriptures in the Bible about vengeance. The Bible talks a lot about vengeance. Vengeance, venge, um, all have the idea of punishment as their root meaning. This helps us to understand why God reserves the right to avenge. Amen? I, I, I looked it up in the dictionary. And let me give you some of the dictionary um, uh, meaning. It says, the action of inflicting hurt or harm on someone for an injury or wrong suffered at their hands. A desire for vengeance or retribution. An act of, an act or instance of retaliation in order to get even. An opportunity for getting satisfaction. So these are all some of the um, the meaning of revenge. So God has always reserved the right to avenge the wrongs done to us. It is not us that's supposed to go back and and. You know, get even. God reserves the right to do that. When it is done by God, it is done correctly. 
He knows everything about us. He knows what we need, how to administer that punishment to us. None of us knows that. So our revenge is, is going to be different from God's revenge. We shouldn't be taking revenge. Only he knows our heart and every deed that we have done. Only God can give us exactly what we desire. His revenge is not rooted in hate, pride, or sin. God's revenge is rooted in um, his perfect holy nature. And uh, Hebrews 10, 30 says, For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So, we are not supposed to take revenge. It is not for us. It is for God. Amen. First Thessalonians 5.15 says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Give you another one. Deuteronomy 32.35. It says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. Important, the very first line, it says, it is mine to avenge. That's Deuteronomy 32, 35. Whenever we take revenge on someone, we are doing the same thing they did to us. Just think about it. If someone hurt you a certain way, you're going to take revenge. What are you going to do? You're going to try to hurt them back the same way. If you're doing the same thing, two wrongs can never make it right. In fact, it reduces us to the level of the perpetrator. We are at their same level who tried to do us wrong initially. Revenge has the potential to continue for a very long time and hurt innocent people in the process without resolution. Revenge can go on and on and on. Whenever we have a, the urge to retaliate, we should keep in mind that causing another person harm will never undo the harm we have already endured. So if someone does us something, and we're going to go back now and you know, do the same thing to that person, it's not going to undo what, you know, was done to us. Even though some people might get a little, um, what they term, satisfaction over it. Whenever someone does us wrong or harms us in any way, we, we instinctively want to repay them. You know, that always happens. Our reaction is to put them in their place, you know. I'm going to put them in their place. We want to fight fire with fire, meaning however they hurt us, we want to hurt them back, at least in that similar um, manner. Sometimes we want to hurt them even more to show them, you know, don't mess with me. For example, we are driving down the street and someone cuts a, cut us off. Um, immediately, we get angry and find a way to cut back, cut off back that person. 
I don't see how it makes sense because in the process you might have an accident and you know it might escalate to you know war or words then fight even fight you know sometimes you see these um road rage escalate to the point where somebody get hurt physically so it's just you know like like a game you make this move somebody else make the other move and you just keep on going until somebody gets hurt and cannot make another move <laughs> amen in doing so we feel a sense of relief that we have we 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 got even with them it might end there. It might end, um, lead to an, you know, lead a little further. Somebody might get hurt, and that's it. Some people will even offer unsolicited advice. I've heard it already. Girl, if that was me, I would tell her a piece of my mind. You know, you have that <laughs> the motion that goes with it, that head motion that goes with it. <laughs> so she don't mess with me again. And unfortunately, this happens sometime in the church. Some will tell you that, you know, I'm a Christian. So you are attempting to walk over me, right? I will forget that Jesus said to turn the other cheek and knock you upside the head. <laughs> We have that going on. I, I've heard that. All of this could have been avoided if we did not choose to retaliate or seek revenge. It is a choice. Revenge is a choice. We can choose not to. Amen. Revenge is a choice that we make which appeals to the pride in us. We think about the situation and the more we do, we put ourselves in a very innocent position and the other person as some vile as someone vile who needs to be punished so the more we think about a situation that happened we are putting ourselves you know in an innocent spot and saying oh they came all the way over here i never did them anything they came over here and they did this to me you know so you are innocent but they are evil and that gives you some kind of um, right to take revenge because you never troubled them. You never did them any harm. Next, we assume authority to retaliate. Remember the Bible told us, told us it made it clear for us that um, only God, leave it to him. But somehow we decide to take it upon ourselves now because we have reasoned it out. And we see where we are the innocent party and they are the aggressor. So we can um, exact revenge. Once we decide to retaliate, we begin to slide down a slope to destruction. Revenge has a snowball effect and usually absorbs many more people before it ends. Sometimes it just starts out with two kids. And one hit the other. The other hit him back harder. He runs in, he gets his parent without, you know, dealing with it like a parent. The parent come out, hit the, the, the other child, the other one gets involved, you know. Th that's sometimes things like that happen. So 
Jacob and his family had a situation which quickly got out of control. And um, this is in Genesis 34. I'm going to title it, The Rape of Dina, um, Jacob's only daughter. The patriarch Jacob went to Cana with his family and lived in a town called Shechem. Dina, Jacob, and Leah's teenage daughter went into the city to see the woman of the land, that is, the, the, the Canaanites. There was a prince there by the name of Shechem. The, the, the name of the city is Shechem, but his name also is Shechem. The prince of that city. Um, he saw Dina and desired her. And I guess in those days, it, it, it was really harsh. He took her by force to his house and raped her and kept her there. He later told his father, Hamor, to get her for him, for his wife. So he started saying, no, um, he loved her. He wants her for his wife. So he went and told his father. So his father would go to her father and they would, you know, make a deal. But ultimately, he wanted her for his wife. Hamor went to Jacob and offered him money to give Dina to his son in marriage. Jacob was their leader. I'm sure he was pretty upset, but he held it down. He didn't say anything. He waited until his, his sons came back from the field. You know, they were out um, working. First of all, here are the things. Jacob disobeyed God and pitched his tent in Shechem instead of Bethel. He was supposed to go somewhere else. He didn't go. He came there. So he basically, um, he disobeyed God and caused that. Um, that would have never happened if he was somewhere else. Genesis 31, 13 talks about that. He went to a strange city among the Canaanites. They should have had proper supervision for their teenage daughter. This is a Canaanite city, right? Um, they, they didn't operate the same way. They didn't have the same kind of practice. So um, the parents got too comfortable with the people in the land. And this happened before they even knew that it would happen. So, you know, they had a lot to do with it. When her brothers heard, they were distraught with grief and livid with anger toward Shechem because he had committed a disgraceful deed in Israel by forcing Jacob's daughter to have sex, an act that never should have happened. Genesis 34, 7. God had also given Israel a commandment that they should not um, intermarry with the Canaanites. That's in Deuteronomy 7.3. They thought about it. The brothers, you know, they thought about this because they were angry. And they agreed to marry under one condition. The condition is all male in Shechem should be circumcised then they could intermarry with Jacob's family. So here it looks like now, in addition to what happened, they are going to break God's um, 
rule again to, you know, marry with them. They're going to allow them to get circumcised and they're going to intermarry. However, Simeon and Levi remain incensed the treatment their sister received and they had other plans. So while everybody was thinking about, you know, telling them, yes, we will, as long as you do what our custom dictates, we will um, have intermarriage. But they too had a different plan. They waited about three days after the event because they were most sore and they were, they were weak. So those two, Ranim first on them and killed the father and the son that abused their, their sister. And then the others came on and, um, you know, they killed all the male in the city, captured the women, took away everything they had. So instead of them just going to Shechem and, you know, just pitching their tent there and living, um, things happened and it started to spiral out of control because the two brothers saw their sister got hurt and they decided to take revenge because it doesn't look like anything was going to, no, no punishment, no judgment was going to be meted out to Shechem. So they decided that they are going to take matters in their own hand. So that's what they did. They reasoned within themselves and said, well, they thought their sisters were violated and the perpetrator would just go free. And while they were reasoning this out, she was still locked in their house, in that man's house, you know. So while the negotiation was going on, their sister didn't do anything to deserve being treated like this. And, in, and to add insult to injury, their father came and offered money like she was, you know, someone else, a, a prostitute or something. So all of this made them real mad. So they took revenge in their own hand. But their plan was to wait, you know, the third day, they did all of that. They took away everything they had. After this, you know, they're going to start having problems because when you don't, when you disobey God, there's always problems. So if they kill these people from Shechem, the neighboring towns are going to hear about it and they're going to come looking for them. So they had to move as quickly as they could, you know. So they ran away. Jacob and his family had to move away hastily before the neighboring tribes found out. So let me ask you this. Did the brothers go too far by killing all the male of Shechem? Is that revenge? You know, they went too far. How does one measure the correct amount of revenge to satisfy the crime that was committed? It cannot be done. So we should not take revenge. We should leave it to God because he's the only one that is going to know when, um, you know, 
revenge has been completed. We are just going to go into this with anger. And we are just going to hurt everything that we see. Because they ended up killing all the male and taking away the, the, everything they had, including their wives, their, their children, you know. So that's what they did. Dina's brothers were very angry, particularly Simeon and Levi. First, their anger was righteous anger, but it later developed into something terrible, revenge. Anger is like an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. So their anger, it got so bitter that it was no more righteous anger. Um, righteous anger comes from the desire to see justice done. They realized that their sister was wrong, and, and um, initially everybody wanted to see this, you know, this, this was wrong. So she should be released, and whoever did it, they should be brought to justice. It is a desire to see those who were mistreated get treated fairly. Righteous anger is opposing the things which oppose God's word. So all of that, you know, um, what they did, what the Canaanites did, it was wrong. And they wanted to see it um, done correctly. Righteous anger is grieving at the things that grieve God. Hate the things that God hates, which is sin. So all of that that was committed was sin. They were angry that their sister was humiliated by this man, abused, taken advantage of, and was still held captive in his, his place. They wanted things to be made right. But there is a line that you shouldn't cross. Because once you cross that, no, you're going into revenge. And God reserved the right to take revenge. The brothers crossed the line. The more both brothers talked it over and examined every aspect of what happened to their sister, the more it stirred up anger and caused them to want more than just being made right. They wanted to get even. They wanted revenge. So while they talk it over, it just caused things to stir up inside of them. And instead of just wanting it to, you know, um, wanting justice, they now wanted to inflict pain and punishment on whoever did it. And they're not just going to go for Shechem alone, because if they went for him, his, um, the, the men of the village would come after them. If they went after him and his father, same thing. So they had to kill all the men. So that's where it starts spiral out of control and other people start getting involved who were not involved initially. Amen? The anger grew into a desire to avenge their sister. They did not want Shechem to get away with humiliating the sister. These men must be punished for what they did. In their minds, it had gone way past sitting at a negotiation table and solving the problem. This, the local talk would be, this cannot be talked out. Action has, has to be done. 
they had plans to kill all the male in Shechem. So that's what they planned to do. This is far from... Um, I don't see how avenging what was done. What was done was, was you know, it's not something light uh, to be taken lightly, but killing everybody, that's, that's <laughs> way, way out of hand. What does the word of God say concerning revenge? We looked at this before, Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And Deuteronomy 32.35. Those are just two that I used. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. So, leave it to God. God will avenge for you. He knows exactly how to do it, what to do. We don't know. We are just angry, and we are just going to hit everybody that comes in front of us. When we disobey God, there are always consequences. They sinned against God while seeking revenge. So even when, these, when, when the, the brothers, you know, went to seek revenge, they sinned against God. They killed. They deceived the, 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 the Canaanites into thinking they would intermarry with them. They just wanted to get them into that place where they were weak. They knew when they would be weak. And then they would come in and they would have the advantage. The advantage by surprise and the advantage because they are weaker than them at that point. So they deceived them. They stole whatever they had. Because of their action, everyone's life was in danger. They were now worried that the neighboring tribes would come after them. So all of this happened because they... They didn't obey what God told them to do. As a result, the tribes of Simeon and, and Levi, who were given no inheritance, are scattered throughout Israel. They were cursed. When their father was um, on his deathbed and he was, uh, you know, blessing them, he, he pronounced this on them. Genesis 49, 5 to 7. It says, self-will occurred only here in, in, in the Old Testament. In his curse on Simeon and Levi, Jacob says that in, in their self-will, they dig down a wall or hamstrung an ox. Their vengeful, violent acts against Shechem caused Jacob to pronounce a curse on their anger because it manifested itself in a fierceness, and cruelty. As a result, the tribe of Simeon and Levi, given no inheritance, are scattered throughout Israel. Amen. There's one instance I see in the Bible where God gave someone the permission to take revenge. Um, Numbers 31, 1-2. The Lord said to Moses, take vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites. After that, you will be gathered to your people. 
the important thing here is Moses didn't act on his own. Moses didn't just get up and because Moses knew the story. Um, the Moabites wanted to, they didn't want, they, they were intimidated of, um, with the Israelites. So they didn't want them to pass them and go to the promised land. They hired uh, a prophet to curse them. The prophet couldn't curse them. But eventually the prophet told them how to get them to sin, to curse themselves. He told them to use the Midianite women who were, um, some of them were temple prostitutes. These men were soldiers and they were away from their wives for a, a time. So these, these women seduced them and got them to sin. So um, that was part of it. So um, God remembered that and he used the Israelites to exact revenge on them. So that's one instance I see where um, God told someone to avenge something that was done. Amen? Let us look at the final example. David was about to take revenge for what he perceived as a wrong done to him and his men, which would separate him from God. But Abigail stepped in and caused David to be refocused on God and put aside his desire for revenge. So Nabal, Nabal he was a, a wealthy man in Carmel. He lived in Carmel. And uh, he had sheep and goats and, you know, he had a lot of animals. So um, while David was running away from Saul, he and his men held up nearby where he had his, his, um, his flock. And in those days, you had tribes like the Amalekites, the, the Philistines. They would, if they came that side and they saw that um, those uh, sheep, they would just take them. So with David and his men held up nearby, they were protected. They were also protected from, you know, wildlife, the, the, the um, bears, anything like that. They, they were protected. So David felt like if that was the case, if he protected them for a while, um, when he knew that there, were, there was a sheep shearing going on, he would... You know, just send a couple of his men to the, to um, Nabal and just tell him, "Hey, we have been protecting your sheep for a while. Um, can you just be generous to us and send us whatever you you find, you know, that we can use?" So, um, he sent ten men to Nabal, and. Nabal was not the best person to um, talk to. In 1 Samuel 25.10, Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their master these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? So he knows who David was. He was just 
disrespecting David. He was just telling David subtly that, look, I'm not going to give you. You know, don't send over here for nothing. This is mine. <laughs> don't, don't come over this side. So David was insulted and disrespected by neighbors. Everyone knew who David was. He was popular and well-liked throughout Israel. Nabal was really saying to David, why are you asking me for my food? Go ask your friend. You runaway servant. <laughs> you, you won't get any from me. And the thing is, David received the message just as how he intended for him to receive it. He received it as an insult. And it enraged him. So David received the message as an insult and became enraged and ordered his men to gird up their swords and prepare to kill every man in Nabal's camp. So this is a little shift from the David we saw, uh, you know, we talked about um, in a couple chapters before when he was running from Saul and he actually was in a position where he could kill Saul. But he was so respectful to, to Saul. He did not want to touch the Lord's anointing. But now. He wasn't even. He was going to, to, to Nabal. He was going to him. Saul didn't come to him. And by, by chance he found Saul there. But he was going to Nabal now. He was going to kill him. So. Um. In this situation, Nabal was on the same level with David. Saul was the king. So probably that's the reason why David had more respect. You know, and that's that sometimes that happened to us. We show the, the um the person higher than us more respect than the person that is on our level, which shouldn't be, you know. We should give everybody the same respect, but that's that's what he did then. Um, he passed up the opportunity to kill King Saul, but he saddled his horse along with 400 men on, his, on this occasion to go and find Nabal and kill him. And he wasn't going to kill him alone. He was going to wipe out his whole household. You know? So he was mad. David did not act godly here and was about to take revenge on Nabal and all the men in his household because he insulted him. Now, when you break it down and you look at it like that, somebody insults you, you're going to kill them. You're going to kill everybody in the household. So this thing was spiraling out of control again. The punishment does not fit the crime. Somebody insults you, you're going to kill them. This is why we need to leave it to the Lord. He knows best. We cannot take um, vengeance on anybody. We don't know when to stop. We don't know how much is too much. Our revenge is always out of anger and wanting to get even. So it is not out of righteous judgment. It, you know, we're angry and we want to get even because somebody says something or does something to us that stirs up this anger in us. Amen? First Samuel 25:22. May God deal with David. Be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him, 
This is what David is swearing. David is saying this because what he's going to do, he's going to ride out now and he, he, his intention is to kill all of the male in that um, household. David swore that he would kill everyone in Nabal's household by, by the morning. So here comes Abigail. Abigail was the wife of Nabal. Sometimes you see um, uh, uh, we, uh, what I would call a grumpy man with a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a wise, beautiful woman, and you wonder how, how everything um, connects. But in this di- these days, they had a, what you call arranged marriage. If the father said, this is who you're going to marriage, marriage, then that's it. <laughs> so I'm just assuming that that's what happened. His wife, Abigail, was wise and beautiful. One of the men told her what transpired, you know, what, what happened with David men and how he answered and, you know, what, what uh, is about to happen. She knew that David and his men should be given what they asked for. So I'm going to pick it up here. Um, this is where 1 Samuel 25. 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my lord, to that wicked man Nabal, that's her husband. David said to Abigail, Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. This is a few verses down, um, 32. I skipped out some. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from engaging myself with my own, avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. So he had every intention to go over there and kill them. And then now he would have um, sinned. He would have sinned against God. So he would put his life in jeopardy here. Abigail's wise words prevented David from committing mass murder. Nabal was a hard, arrogant man to deal with. David, on the other hand, allowed pride to get the better of him after he was insulted by Nabal. Because it's pride. He insulted him. So he decided, I'm not going to take that. I'm just going to take out the whole family, the whole, you know, everybody there. Abigail prepared a feast for David and his men and use her wisdom to turn David's heart back to the Lord and away from bloodshed. Because this time he was made up, his, his mind was made up. He was focused on doing what he was doing. But because of her wisdom, and because, you know, she, she first of all, she greeted him in such a way, and um, humbly before him, and then she gave him, you know, he wanted supplies. He, she gave him, and then she used her wisdom and, you know, 
pointed him away from this bloodshed that was imminent and, you know, pointed him back to the Lord. So the, the good thing about it is he was wise enough to listen because she could have spoken and then he just get up and just ride off and continue doing what he was doing. But he was, um, he, he was receptive to her and he listened to her and that changed the course of action. David left the revenge for God to handle it. And he did because Nabal, he choked himself or he died a couple of days later. You know, he had a feast and he just died. The only time we are permitted to take revenge as if, is if when we are authorized by God. And, and we, um, we looked at that earlier. So if this is the only thing that will stick tonight, just remember, vengeance is for the Lord, not for us. We don't know how much to give anybody. Don't give them a piece of your mind because you might get crazy after that. You know, and don't hit anybody upside the head, you know, because they're not, they're, they're acting funny. Just leave vengeance to the Lord. The Lord will deal with it. Amen? Question. Can revenge bring justice? Can revenge give you exactly what you desire? Does man qualify to take revenge? then why does God forbid us to take revenge and leave it to him? Because we are not qualified. We should not take in revenge. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you learn anything tonight? <laughs> Amen. Leave it to God. Amen. Amen. Our Bible study is over. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. Okay. We have one guest tonight. Two guests. Amen. I don't have a card, so I'm just going to ask you if you can just Say your name for me, please. Vincent. What's your last name, Vincent? Lewis. We are glad to have you tonight, Vincent. And Keisha, what's your last name? Keisha White. We're glad to have you also, Keisha. Welcome to Christ-Centered Church. And... We are the church that cares. So if there's anything that we can do to help your spiritual walk, just call us. Just let us know, and we'll be happy. Could you just greet, greet them again for me one more time? Amen. Before we pray in dismissal, I just want to um, invite anyone tonight that has heard the word of God.
and they want to be baptized or want to learn about baptism in Jesus' name. You can see any one of us. We'll be happy to let you know about baptism. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't forget around the back we have one usher with um, baskets. If you, you can, you know, make a contribution, make a donation if you, if you can. Right after service. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you once more, Lord, for bringing us here, for, for just watching over us and keeping us, Lord Jesus, especially in this perilous time. Lord, I pray tonight that we will draw closer to you. We will get deeper in your word, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray for the people that are suffering right now in the Ukraine, O oh God. I pray for them, Lord Jesus, because there is war, and war is not a nice thing. Some are displaced. They have to be running all over the place, Lord. I pray that you touch the hearts of the leaders, O oh God. Lord, remove that stone heart from them, O oh God, and replace it with a heart that can feel the suffering of the people. I pray for peace, O oh God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that peace will reign. And I pray that the loss of life there will be minimized in the name of Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that your hand will be upon our congregation. You will bless us. You will, Lord Jesus, lift us up as we continue to praise you and to humble ourselves before you, Lord Jesus. I pray, O oh God, for the man of God that you have chosen to lead this congregation. Wherever he is, Lord Jesus, I pray that you, your peace that passeth all understanding will be upon him. You will keep him, Lord, from harm and danger. Bless his family, Lord Jesus. Bless our family, Lord Jesus, as we call upon you. And we say thank you for everything that you have done and you continue to do in our lives. We say thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.